give you a heads up. Uh, if you're in Southern California, uh, in that area, next Sunday, the Museum of Woman, which we're going to be talking about in a moment, is hostessing Fourth Sunday. And as a certified Power of Partnership practitioner, I am giving the third in a series of four talks on partnership. Uh, the first one I already gave was Partnership with Self. Uh, then the second was Partnership with Intimate Others. And this third is Partnership with Your Local and Global Community. So if you uh, have not yet been to the Museum of Woman, I'm giving you a great excuse to come. Uh, not only visit, but uh, uh, attend uh, Fourth Sunday services and hear these talks, which um, are inspired by Rianne Eisler, one of the four mothers in the goddess spirituality community. Uh, some of you probably know her because of her most famous book, uh, The Chalice and the Blade. So uh, let's uh, turn our attention to tonight's guest, uh, Ava Park, and say welcome. Hey, Ava, thanks for being with me tonight. Oh, once again, it is a pleasure to talk with you. We have so enjoyed your first uh, three partnership talks. And so we're really, really looking forward to the next one on the uh, 28th. Well, thank you, Ava. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure to bring Rianne's work uh, to the uh, the folks at the temple, and um, you know, good response. So I, I guess people are getting good stuff, uh, good stuff out of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, after all, partnership is the thing that can save the world, which I am so fond of saying. You know, if we get away from the domination, the exploitation, if we all just practice partnership, the world would be a much better place. Um, well, so I'm so glad to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm so glad to have you back on the show. It's been a little while since uh, you've been here with me, uh, so I kind of feel like it's uh, long overdue. But uh, you have something exciting uh, to tell listeners about uh, tonight, uh, the Museum of Woman. So um, let's just start at the beginning. Uh, what is the Museum of Woman, the purpose? Um, uh, I think some people are maybe a little bit confused about the museum versus the goddess temple. So, um you know, let's start at the beginning. Okay. Well, uh, you mentioned partnership, and that is actually our slogan, people in partnership uh, for uh, uh, promoting the power of woman for a better world. So we have we started as the Goddess Temple of Orange County, as you know, and uh, for the empowerment of women. And the museum is a natural outcropping of that to include everybody. If the Goddess Temple was founded for the empowerment of women and really addressing the, the needs of the adult woman, the museum is for everyone, for men, for women, for families. And it's really uh, an important thing. When you look at the world, we have museums where there are goddesses shown, statues of goddesses shown, but there is no, uh, literally no goddess museum and uh, no museum anywhere in the world that is just devoted to uh, ancient artifacts, reproductions of ancient artifacts, educating the public about uh, goddess, uh, you know, 250,000 some years of goddess veneration all over the world. So we feel that this is revealing our human history that has been, you know, this is not taught in schools as part of history. It's not even taught in most comparative religion classes, you know? True. 
true. And, uh, and you know, Ava, you, you are such a trailblazer. Um, you know, you're the museum curator, you're a minister, you're a feminist teacher, uh, you know, you're a leader in the goddess community, uh, you are the center holder and founder of the Goddess Temple. And now, you know, you're breaking new ground and, um, you know, uh, blazing a new trail uh, with, this, uh, with this museum. Because as you said, you know, there are no museums around the world dedicated solely to uh, a feminine face of God. Uh, has it been difficult? Um, I mean, what's been your experience, you know, uh, being a trailblazer, you know, being the first one to sort of uh, break ground on such things? Well, I find it exciting and creative to be able to um, have an idea that, you know, I don't see being done anywhere else and then, then birth it into the world and work on it and nurture it and, and see it grow. So it's, it's very exciting to me. Um, I, I think personally there should be goddess museums all over the world. This is not only a goddess museum. We called it the not the Museum of Goddess, but the Museum of Woman, because we also are a uh, feminist museum, and we have um, exhibits uh, and displays of, of famous feminists, uh, both women and men, from history through the present day. And, you know, these are the visionary human beings, people very much like you, transforming the, the dominator model of culture. And, uh, you know, so we, we have a lot going on here. We're a cultural center. We have um, spiritual services on the fourth Sunday uh, for, for everybody, open to all faiths, uh, at 11 o'clock. It's called Source Spiritual Services. And uh, we have lots of, uh, you know, cultural events, dance. And, oh, we're having um, Max Dash's uh, book signing uh, her new book, Witches and Pagans, uh, that will be on September 3rd, and it's free. It's a, there'll be a lovely wine and cheese cheese uh, party, and then a book signing at 6:30, free. You know, open to the public, free. So those are some of the things that we're doing. In addition to always unveiling new um, and exciting uh, 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 exhibits uh, to educate people about. Uh, the you know, the history of goddess, the history of woman. We're working on two exhibits now. One is called the Paleolithic Goddess, and this will be a huge insta- permanent installation showing uh, reproductions of um, Paleolithic and Neolithic goddesses, uh, actual you know exact reproductions, so people can see what you know what people venerated 250,000 years ago. And then we're also working on something I'm really excited about. It's a uh, new Amazon. Exhibit talking about the uh, the uh, Sarmatian, Scythian women, the women of, uh, uh, of what, you know what is now Eastern Europe and Turkey, and uh, and the the whole Amazon uh, thing. So we're very excited about that. Well, it sounds exciting, and uh, and if I misspoke and actually called it a goddess museum, I apologize. It is uh, it is the museum of woman, correct? Yes, yes, but you know it is it is also a goddess museum. What we found, you know, the 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 genesis of that, how that came about, was one day I was looking for a statue, uh, and you know, in our shelves and of hundreds of statues, and I realized that we did have hundreds of actual, you know, exact reproductions of statues that were very very old, thousands of years old, and I thought you know, why are these on shelves 
in the back room just waiting to be used, you know, for, for a day, why not have displays where we can educate people? And so that's how the the museum sort of began in my mind, uh, you know, as a way of displaying all these beautiful statues that are so inspiring to women to see what people venerated, you know, 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago. Um, it's, you know, it changes when women see, when women and men see that at one time woman was the natural spiritual authority on earth, it changes our view of ourselves and it changes men's view of us. And so I think it's culturally, this is not just a sort of a little niche, you know, uh, kind of minor, obscure, you know, historical fact. This, the, Knowing this, seeing this, letting this live in our bodies um, changes how we feel about ourselves. It changes everything. Yeah, yeah, you're you're so right. It, when you said, and I want to, you know, punctuate that, it really does change everything. And you know, that ties in so well to what I talk about a lot. You know, our our mythology shapes our culture, and these stories of these goddesses, you know, that have been swept beneath the rug. You know, when you do bring them out into the open, and instead of it being alternative history, you know, as it gradually becomes mainstream history instead, uh, that changes is the psyche of, uh, of, of women, of men and women alike. Um, and I know you believe that men can't lead well alone. Uh, I think you've said that the state of the world uh, currently proves this. Um, did you want to speak to that a little bit? I, you know, kind of ties back into the partnership, I think. Sure, sure. I actually believe that men were not meant to lead completely alone by themselves either singly or in groups. One of the interesting things I think about uh, men and women, men have on average about 10 times the testosterone that women do. This is natural. This is normal. This is not a problem. Um, and, but here's the, an, an interesting thing. When, when men gather together in groups, the, something happens to their hormone levels, and the fact that they're all together in a group, uh, just men, uh, their hormone levels, uh, their testosterone spikes even higher than 10 times what a woman's is. And we know that testosterone is um, associated with aggression. And the more testosterone a man is, is carrying, the tendency, you know, obviously individuals are individuals, but I'm talking about, you know, large numbers of people, the tendency is to make more aggressive decisions. And so when men gather together in groups without any women present, um, it can lead to more warlike decisions, more aggressive decisions. Now, here's the really fascinating fact. Studies have shown that in, a, in an all-male group, if even one woman walks into the room, she doesn't even have to say anything. She doesn't have to have – it doesn't matter what her beliefs are. She doesn't have to open her mouth. Just her physical body – the hormonal structure of her physical body will start to bring the men's testosterone, the group testosterone level, down, back down to normal levels. And so when you wow. think about this, when you think about this, you know, it shows that the normal way of peace is to have women present in leadership. 
And, you know, I, that people often say, well, are, you know, you, wanna, you want women only to lead and bow down to men. The, you know, men bow down to women the way, you know, women have had to bow down to men. No, that, you know, a matriarchy is not a patriarchy in reverse. A matriarchy is shared good. It's partnership. It's exactly what you're always talking about. It's what Rianne Eisler talks about. So, you know, these are the things that we need to start thinking about and bring women back to leadership so that we can have, you know, peaceful, sensible decisions. This, this world is torn apart by selfish decisions, by, you know, we've got people starving in various, on various continents when there are container shiploads of grain sitting on a dock while men fight over, you know, who owns it or who's going to get paid for it. You know, these sorts of things tend not to happen when, when women are in charge. And, of course, there are individual women. I'm not going to name any names, Karen, but there are individual women leaders who, you know, lead just like, you know, uh, like selfish men do. And I'm not saying all men are selfish, but if, if you have a selfish man, that you can certainly have a selfish woman. And there's no, there's no, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I'm not saying that all women are are angels and all men are devils. Absolutely not. I'm talking about the male-centric paradigm of of the planet, and this is where this has led us to this this world of tremendous injustice. You know, with the one percent. You know, I, I really believe that that when women who are mothers, they would not let 1% of their children be living in luxury while 99% were struggling. You know, if a woman had no. 10 kids, you, do you know what I mean? She would see that Absolutely. the resources yeah. were distri- distributed fairly because that's, that's how the average woman thinks. And once again, and I can't say this enough, I'm not talking about every single last woman on the planet. Of course there are women murderers. Of course there are, you know, selfish women. Of course there are bad mothers. But if you're just talking overall in, you know, large group structures, um, women tend to make more fair and just decisions. And when you have yeah. women in leadership, it, you know, it tends to be a more fair and just world. There's a really fascinating book. Uh, the, the author's name uh, escapes me at the moment, but it was written back in the 90s. And, but the statistics are all probably still very much true. And it's called Men Are Not Cost Effective. Have you ever read that? No, I haven't heard that title. That's funny. Well, it's, it's, I know, and it's, it's very funny, but it's not really meant to be funny. It's a very serious book. And uh, I think the author's basic premise is there should be a tax on men because they, have, they are preponderantly the, um, the aggressors on the, on the planet. You know, the vast majority of violence is created by men. The vast, you know, rapes and murders and, uh, you know, all kinds of mayhem. She shows statistically how, sure, every once in a while, you know, there's a woman murderer, but by and large, the vast majority of people doing damage on the planet happen to be males. And I believe this is because women are not in spiritual leadership, guiding the planet, guiding culture with values of the, the values that I, I talk about, the queen having the, the values of reverence for life, knowing that all is one, all is sacred, all is eternal. And when women, you know, come back into leadership in huge numbers, we will bring those values with us. And it will set the world aright in my in my belief. That's that's my belief and that's my hope. <laughs> 
Okay, if that's your story and you're sticking to it, <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, but no, I, I am a, uh, you know, I'm a, f- a firm advocate, you know, right there alongside you. I, I, I don't think there's anything you said I don't uh, disagree with. And just to piggyback on it, you know, I've said it before, but it's worth saying because it's, uh, it, it, it's so terrible, and we have to be reminded of it constantly. I mean, you know, we have less than 20% women's leadership in uh, corporate America, academia. Uh, you know, religious leadership in Congress. And then you go to a country like um, Iceland, for instance, where you have the majority of uh, women in Congress. You know, they, they jailed the, bank, the bankers, you know, when yes. the bankers tanked I their know. economy. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, so yeah. um, I, 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 you know, women, I think, just are naturally more the nurturer. Uh, and, uh, and, and you know, men, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but men, for some reason, maybe, like you said, it's the testosterone, you know, they tend to be the dominator. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the great creatrix uh, created uh, woman and man together. I, you know, I think they were intended uh, to complement one another uh, because because I think they both need each other. And, um, you know, we've been so out of balance, uh, you know, because our mythology, unfortunately, uh, you know, has uh, taught us, uh, you know, male male God, and male God ends up with male leadership. Uh, you know, I, I think it was a strategy that the sacred feminine got uh, swept beneath the rug uh, in patriarchal times. You know, call me a conspiracy theorist. I don't care. Uh, but, you know, it, it, uh, it it's had its effect and uh, this imbalance in leadership between uh, you know men and women I think has brought us uh, to where you know to where we are and uh, but you know we're going about changing it we want a new normal and um, you know uh, we're planting the seeds (laughs) absolutely uh, and you see you see change happening all the time you know all you have to do is look on Facebook and with all the horror that is going on there is also a lot of waking up happening and that's very exciting to see you see all these positive things happening for for women for animals for society so you know yeah you know the planet can be in a lot of trouble but there's a lot of good things happening too as people wake up and become more conscious yeah, I think so, you know, because I was uh, I was interviewed this morning on someone's radio show, and the conversation turned to, well, you know, what do I think about what's going on in the world? Is it a terror, you know, is it as terrible as it seems? And I think in a way it's kind of the perspective, you know. we There's such a transparency happening right now that, you know, we uh, I think more people are seeing more things more clearly, and that's the first step to change things you know uh, before um, you know I, we, I don't think we had such an awareness as we do now that we have the internet now that we can talk to one another now that we can come together and you know discuss ideas you know even the 24-hour news cycle even people like WikiLeaks you know doing the job of investigative re- reporters used to do uh, you know I, I it, it's scary that so much is being revealed to us. In fact, it's hard sometimes to even take it all. But um, I, I, it just feels logical to me that um, that's the first, uh, you know, that maybe that's the first steps in the paradigm shift, uh, you know, toward 
the new normal because you know it, it if you don't know something's broke you know um you don't know it needs to be fixed and if you don't understand why it's broke then you don't know how to fix it so as scary as t- the days are um i i think this transparency and um everything we're seeing that maybe uh, tends to make us a little fearful, uh, I think it's serving its purpose to, you know, awaken the masses and uh, uh, motivate us to, you know, to do something about it. And your museum, um, you know, uh, you know, the Museum of Woman, I, I think uh, just by its very brick-and-mortar existence, um, you know, it, it's... Um, you know, it's at the forefront of uh, of shifting consciousness, and uh, you know, I'm I'm just so proud to be uh, associated with it and have you here today uh, to tell the world about it. Well, and you you personally, you and Roy have been so instrumental in helping the museum to unfold. I shall never forget our grand opening of the our, our huge uh, installation of the statue you so graciously uh, donated in perpetuity to us, the massive Sekhmet on her beautiful uh, step pyramid. Uh, what a night that was. Do you remember that about three years ago? What a great night oh, that how, was. How could I forget? I mean, that was one of the most magical nights. And, um, you know, I, I still count that among... And I say, and I don't say magical lightly. I say magical literally, because you know, um, and, and oh, it's been a long time since I've told the story. Probably back when you know, not long after it happened, and I've written about it, you know. But um, it, it seems appropriate to maybe you know tell that story of the unveiling of that statue. But you know, you you so um, uh, you know you so wonderfully you know created this, uh, you know, four-foot pyramid throne to put Sekhmet atop, and she was already probably, I mean, if she, if she could, she's seated, but if she stood up, she'd probably be nine feet tall. So, you know, here she is, this huge statue on this three or four-foot tall pyramid throne. You had her behind these velvet curtains, and we're doing all of these wonderful things to, you know, get the people attending, and I mean, it was packed to the rafters. I don't think you could put, a, could put another body in there and you know we're doing storytelling and we're doing dance and you know we're, we're, we're you know we're we're like the bards of Sekhmet you know um, dispelling the disinformation explaining who she is and how she's been misunderstood and then it comes for the great reveal and why don't you tell what happened when the great reveal happened do you remember well it, it was absolutely a magical moment for me and just going back a little bit further when you so graciously said I would you know Roy and I would like to gift the museum with this statue I remember how we arranged to go pick it up at its location and it was the men who so reverently you know put her in the vehicle and it took a lot I mean she's heavy she's what like 350 pounds and um, probably you know, and, were, and big and big and awkward too <laughs> yeah but I mean, to me, it was like the men and the women were there. There were several men and several women, and we were all working together in partnership to move this huge statue. And it felt very ancient and old, like, you know, we had done things like that together before. And to watch the men 
wrap her up and carefully, you know, place her and, you know, lift her. It To me, it was very beautiful to see the men do that. It was like, oh, yeah, this is what, this is part of what men's strength is meant for, you know, to, yeah. to build the And temple, remember, we, we, had, we, we were singing the chants to her and everything before yes. we moved her yes. as well. Right. Um, the, you know, the right. beautiful chanting. So we, it was very ritual-like, too. It wasn't just, um, you mm-hmm. know, uh, like, a, you know, just like you were schlepping old furniture or something. You know, it right. had, it, there was this right. reverence about the whole thing, too. Yeah. And then when we got her to the uh, location, to the museum, um, and we brought her in, and, and set her down, everything was done with such care and reverence, moving this massive statue. And then we brought the wonderful Don Kinda in because I, I could see that the way she needed to sit was not just on the floor, but she needed her throne. She needed a pyramid. And he spent 60 hours designing and building uh, a pyramid for her. And then once again, the men gathered together and then put her very carefully on top of the pyramid. And, I mean, it was just a, a whole thing. So by the time we got to that evening, with all of the performers and the dancers and the storytellers, as you, you, know, you were mentioning, the singers, Miranda Rondeau, and you know, all these wonderful people, uh, Catherine McCallerhan, Sahira, um, and when we, when we parted the curtains to the drum roll, and you know, I looked at you because you had not seen her on her on her pyramid, and I just wanted so much for you to be pleased and happy, and you know, and and delighted. And I looked at you, and I all I could see was you in the room. Was like the only person who mattered to me was like how you know how does Karen feel about this? And we parted the curtains to the big drum roll, and you saw her, and you gasped, and tears were in your eyes, and I was like. I will never forget that moment. That was so great. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but the thing that really stood out for me, aside from um, the awe of seeing her on the throne, uh, was uh, you, you forgot the part about as soon as we parted the curtains, the smoke alarm went off and all the lights started oh to gosh, flicker. Oh, my gosh, I forgot about that. I talk about that. Yes, yes. All the fire alarms and, and, went off. <laughs> I know, and it's not like anybody went and put a flame near it or anything. No, I mean, I, no. I, I, I mean, you know, it, look, it's crazy. Some people probably think I'm crazy for saying this, but I believe that was our sign that she said, yes, I, am, I see what you are doing. I am here in the building. Yes, I will reside here gladly. I mean, because that, it, it wasn't some tiny little flicker. I mean, it, was, uh, it woke everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that right. was we that was pretty. We hadn't, lit, we hadn't lit any additional candles or anything, so why would they go off right at that moment when the oh, the curtains were opened? It was amazing. No, yeah, there was no logical explanation for it. Absolutely none. It was just one of those things that um, I, I really do believe was magic. You know. Um, well, well, I, we I know a, we digressed. We had a great time that. Great time that evening. Great time. That was a, a, just a memorable evening I'll never forget. So thank you for being such an integral part of, of uh, all of this. You are a great goddess woman. 
Well, thank you, Ava. And I, you know, Roy and I have come to believe that we probably uh, came to have that statue uh, just so that it could be exactly where it is. And when we see the people's faces when they go up to her and look at her and pray to her, uh, we we know it's exactly right. You know, I mean, that is what, uh, you know, she needs to be there. You know, she needs to be there. But, uh, but you know, she's far from the only statue uh, in the museum. As you said, now you have a, you're doing an Amazon exhibit. You already have a, a Paleolithic uh, exhibit uh, at the Museum of Woman. Um, speak a little bit about the, the part that is going to represent the contemporary women uh, as opposed to, you know, just the feminine faces of, of the divine. Um, I think at some point I heard you say, um, the the temple is going to have like an honor wall or something. Is that right? Absolutely. And uh, we'll have several different things that will point to uh, current modern day feminists uh, and also historical feminists, the, the suffragettes. Uh, we in the front, uh, the front exhibit will be an ongoing. It'll change every two months we will have a, a, a feminist woman who we will highlight. And our first one will be Gloria Steinem, the great Gloria Steinem, and it will be an exhibit talking about her life. And, you know, a lot of people know a lot about her life, and, but we're going to search out interesting facts about her that people don't know and interesting photos to show. And so it will be a whole exhibit that will be quite fascinating, and you'll get some new insights into a woman you thought you knew. And then, uh, you know, a couple months later, it'll be it'll be someone else, uh, and uh, uh, so it, that should be very exciting too, because you know, a lot of women today, um, especially younger women, do not know the feminist foremothers uh, of of you know first wave, second wave. They they don't know who they are, and it's important yeah. that we know our history. And and I think it's also important, too, because, you know, feminism and feminist, uh, you know, it's gotten such a bad rap. You know, I think it really needs to be rehabilitated, and uh, I think this is uh, a, a lovely way to do it. Um, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about what happens, um, you know, at the at the museum. What sort of events um, do you have and maybe, you're, you know, what do you have coming up? Okay, well, as I mentioned, we have the fourth Sunday, uh, which you've been our featured speaker at for the last uh, three months, and um, then this will be your your final on uh, August uh, 28th. That'll be your, your final one, is that correct? No, no. Uh, this is actually the third of four, so I'll be oh, there August twenty eighth, and then and then the fourth Sunday the in September. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, right. the fourth so, uh, the fourth topic is is partnership with, uh, you know, with deity and source. You know, so that uh, you know that that sort of partnership connection. Right. So uh, so we do have the fourth Sunday and um, uh, exciting speakers like yourself, bringing us great things. We also have uh, our, every Friday, we have a happy hour at 5.30, which is a lot of fun. We have free wine and food and music. Uh, We always play some kind of fascinating world music. We have a movie always playing in the lounge. And uh, people come, and people come for different reasons. They come to meet their friends after work. They come to meet new people, you know, socialize with new people. 
they come, uh, visitors come from far away. Uh, we had uh, the last uh, last Friday. We had uh, a whole uh, cr- a group of people from uh, from uh, Dubai, and they had read about us on uh, you know interesting things to do in Orange County, and so they trekked on over here from their hotel, and uh, they spent the afternoon, and they were just in awe. You know, they'd never seen anything like this place, and it was so much fun to to show uh, you know visitors from very far away. Uh, and that happens all the time. Women come, men come from very far away, and uh, they just love that. So every Friday we're open well, you, from you've had, to 8 p.m. You've had people show up. You've had. I'm. I don't. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the. But you've had people show up by the busload. Oh yes, yes, we have. We've had a few tours, and uh, people pile off the buses and uh, come in. And uh, what we'd like to have more of are a children's tours. We think we would be a great place for the, you know, young person, uh, both, you know, young boys and girls to, to see, you know, human history, the, the stuff they will not be taught uh, in school. You know, let them come. Let them see these statues that are, you know, let them hold them. We have a lot of interactive exhibits where you can actually touch and hold the statues the way a person might have, you know, 10,000 years ago. So um, we also have one uh, area where young people can make their own out of some uh, out of clay. They get a lump of clay and they can make their own goddess, which is really fun. I saw that. You know, I was really amazed at how well, because uh, these—I mean, these were just average people. These were not, uh, you know, these these were not artists. And just by looking at pictures, how they uh, created some uh, Paleolithic or Neolithic uh, goddesses. I mean, they looked uh, practically as good as the real thing. And uh, I, I can just imagine the fun that was had. And uh, you know, imagine you're a kid, and I—I I, I don't know. I think. Back to, you know, as a kid, you know, I, I uh, played with Play-Doh, but I certainly didn't make anything so grand as a replica of an ancient artifact. Um, you know, that, that affects a person, I think. You know, it's, it's not a little thing. Absolutely. When you, when you see a picture and then you make something just like that, you have this sort of ancient genetic body memory, you know, uh, in, in your body. And kids have... Kids have commented on that, you know. They've kind of gone into this sort of, I don't know, like, like this deep meditation while they're, you know, we're talking like 10-year-old children, you know, and they would be carving this thing out of this, you know, wet lump of clay and working on it so seriously. And it came, it always comes out so beautifully. It's amazing. It's amazing what, yeah. you know, people, you know, kids can do. It really is. Well, and I interrupted you. You were you were saying about the wonderful Friday evenings uh, that you have there. I'm not sure if you finished. Uh, did, did, was there more you wanted to say about the activities at the museum? Oh, sure. You know, we do have every Friday at 5:30. We have our wonderful happy hour. It's all free, and people can just come over and check out the museum and uh, have a glass of wine and uh, a, you know a bite to eat. And enjoy the music and look at the altars. And other people come, you know, to pray. Other people come to uh, um, uh, not just enjoy the exhibits, but to actually, you know, sit down on a on a uh, an ottoman in front of Sekhmet and, or any other altar and, and pray. We also have a lot of fun things like um, uh, our fourth Sunday on October 23rd is going to be our annual uh, costume party and chili bar. 
And that's for everybody. It's a it's a Halloween party and a costume party, and everybody dresses up. And some people come in amazing costumes. And uh, you know, we have a whole full on chili bar with the fixings, and it's all free. You know, it's all very joyful. It's a it's a Sunday service, but that one's a very uh, light you know light hearted Sunday service. Um, and then, of course, we've got our wonderful that you're very involved with uh, getting the speakers for our Joseph Campbell Mythological Joseph Campbell Foundation Mythological uh, Roundtable, and um, uh, we uh, have had several amazing speakers that you've gotten for us. And I believe the one for the next one will be, I think, in October, if I'm not mistaken. And it looks like I have Shelley yes. Ackerman down. Is that correct? Uh, no, actually, actually, I think you have Brenda McCoy. So oh, we'll okay, have to, Brenda we'll have McCoy. To, All right. We'll, we'll have to put our heads together and, uh, and, okay. uh, and, 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 and get that on the calendar. And I, I still have, I haven't sent you the information for that yet, so I'm a little bit, uh, uh, I'm waiting on her, and I'll, I'll send it along to you. Um, but, you know, you, you have Oshun's Lounge. You have that uh, other area uh, with the Egyptian motif. You have um, Diana's Grove. You have Lakshmi's Well. Um, you know, Quan, the Kuan Yin Room. Um, I mean, so many aspects of the space that, uh, you know, as, as I'm, you know, ticking these off, people are probably going, what, what, what's that? <laughs> Did you want to talk a little <laughs> well, bit about the actual space? Because it's so incredible. Sure. sure. As you enter, it's a large reception room, and that is our Celtic room. And we have, uh, you know, Bridget, the uh, Celtic goddess Bridget, very ancient. Uh, she's known for holy uh, water, sacred flame. And so we have a large uh, uh, a statue of her in front of a very large uh, well, a uh, bubbling well. And so that's her holy water, her holy well, surrounded by candles. Very beautiful. And uh, she's always decorated for the season. Whatever, you know, right now we're in late summer, so she's decorated with wheat and late summer flowers. And um, uh, so the Celtic room has... Uh, a lot of beautiful uh, displays and exhibits on uh, Celtic spirituality. And uh, um, uh, also uh, the uh, Roman influence in uh, Britain uh, 2,000 years ago. So very very fascinating. We have a reproduction of the Book of Kells. uh, And uh, uh, we actually, one of our treasures is, uh, a, a bust of Eleanor of Aquitaine that uh, I rescued from a 14th century church on one of my trips to uh, to uh, uh, Britain. So that's a, a beautiful artifact that everyone should see. And it's Eleanor of Aquitaine, uh, very youthful, very young, and uh, it's carved and uh, it's a, a head, a large, you know, life-size head. And then we have our uh, Egyptian room dedicated to uh, the goddess Isis and uh, goddesses Isis and Nut, and uh, also uh, the queen, Nefertiti. And um, we have many wonderful uh, Egyptian statues in there, Bast, a big Bast, uh, who's very, uh, very, very gorgeous with her uh, a sistrum that uh, uh, De Tracy Regula made for us out of brass. It's an exact reproduction of a sistrum. Uh, from you know thousands of years ago, and um, we have a very unusual Isis statue. You will not see another one like her. She's a very much older. She's mature looking, 
and uh, she's very different. And uh, so if you if you love Isis, come come and see the Egyptian room uh, and uh, and uh, make a prayer to Isis. And then we have uh, Oshun's Lounge dedicated to the uh, African uh, goddess, the Nigerian goddess Oshun. And uh, it's also our red tent area. So it's very luscious and beautiful and powerful, just like Oshun. And uh, it's all uh, decorated in uh, floor pillows and low tables. People can just relax and, uh, and have their, you know, beverage, their libation, and eat and drink. And we have a lounge. Uh, we have a, a dining room. And we're very proud of our um, uh, huge collection of miniature black Madonnas, uh, ranging from Isis holding Horus all the way to the Catholic black Madonnas. And um, they're just gorgeous with their tiny, perfect faces. And then, of course, there's the Kuan room you mentioned. Uh, that's our quiet room, our meditation room. And a lot of people have come to believe that the Kuan Yin in there is indwelled. They feel a presence in that statue. Uh, Vajrama was the first to mention it, and uh, many others have mentioned it as well. And in that room, we have um, the on the wall uh, all of the... Um, world peace prayers from all of the major religions of the world, along with some very wonderful uh, artifacts that uh, were given to us uh, on uh, my visit to the Potala Palace, the home of the Dalai Lama, you know, his original home, and in, in, now he's in exile, but uh, his original home now taken over by the Chinese. We have, some, we have some artifacts from there, some actual artifacts. And then, of course, our main room is just wonderful. That's where... Sekhmet is, uh, that's a 1,600-square-foot room with many, many exhibits and altars, Maiden, Mother, Queen, and Wise Woman, Four Aspects of Woman, and the Grand Sekhmet, of course. We have our Minoan Treasures case with uh, uh, artifacts from uh, the last great goddess culture uh, on Crete, the Minoan culture. We have um, beautiful snake priestesses and a a labrys, a double-headed axe, and poppy goddess and many wonderful things a Camaris uh, vessel and uh, we do have a uh, area devoted to the Hindu goddesses uh, Lakshmi and Durga riding her great uh, lion and um, we have the grotto uh, dedicated to Diana it's a place for one person only you go in and it's as if you had chased Diana through the woods running after her and got tired and you sat down on a tree stump and uh, then you, as your eyes adjust inside, uh, magical things come out on the walls, fairies and different things. And it's quite, quite fun. The, the little girls absolutely love it. But, you know, uh, uh, several years ago, I thought, oh, you know, I'm not sure, you know, everybody loves this. Maybe we'll take it down and put something else. Well, you should have heard the hue and cry from my congregation at the very thought of removing the grotto. So uh, there it stands. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody would have it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have to tell you, I have to tell you something. Um, you know, I have not yet sat in there. I am going to have to make a point to do it when I come and give the talk on the twenty eighth. I have not yet been in that grotto. Oh, I can't believe you've never gone in the grotto. Oh, you must, you must. I know, I know. I'm thinking that. I don't know how I didn't make it. But then, and then across and across the walkway, uh, then that's Lakshmi space, right? 
Right, right. That's uh, dedicated to Lakshmi and Durga. And uh, we've recreated, you know, people who know about Lakshmi know that she stands on her, her, her story is that she stands uh, alongside the river and pilgrims come and uh, out from one palm, golden coins flow and from the other flow blessings. And so we had a beautiful piece of art done by the wonderful Melinda Alec, who she did an original piece of art, life-size Lakshmi, uh, and uh, showing her. And so we recreated the river with a, a big fountain that has three levels that pours and sand all around it and uh, goddess statues. And it's it's quite wonderful. People make their prayers and you can eat and at the, the enactment at that uh, exhibit and altar is to eat an almond, uh, which is representative of prosperity. So you eat an almond uh, as you gaze into Lakshmi's eyes. And, you know, as people are hearing you describe this wondrous space, um, they would probably be very surprised to learn that they can actually rent the space for weddings and cocktail parties and special events. I mean, I know I always have my book launch parties there. Uh, Why don't you speak a little bit about that? Well, yes, that is, you know, obviously uh, we have rent and uh, we, we must, you know, pay our electric bill. And uh, so uh, as one of our uh, – part of our uh, way of gathering revenue is our members. You can become a member of the temple, as you are. You and Roy are members, and uh, we are so grateful for your regular contributions. And uh, so we have many other members, and uh, uh, that's one way that uh, we uh, take care of our bills. And the other way is by renting out the space. And people do have wonderful events here, weddings, uh, private ceremonies. Um, There's a woman who is uh, organizing a divorce ceremony for herself. She, you know, is getting a divorce, and she feels that this should be commemorated, and she's inviting uh, the public uh, to, you know, and it's a very upbeat. I know it sounds kind kind of, you know, to somebody who's not familiar with ritual and ceremony, they might think, what? But, you know, when you get married... You are surrounded by supportive friends and family and flowers and music and beauty and, you know, everything's wonderful and, you know, the whole thing is commemorated and ritualized. But when you get divorced, it's a passage too, just like a marriage. And usually, you, you know, you're alone or in a lawyer's office. I mean, there's nobody supporting you. There's nobody commemorating it. There's nobody talking about the life passage that a divorce is. You know, and and so um, we have a wonderful divorce ceremony, and this woman has chosen to avail herself of that, and she's inviting the public, and it's going to be a big thing. Any woman can come, and uh, whether you've been divorced or not, and uh, so those are the kinds of things that you can do here. We also have memorial services. We had a wonderful memorial service for uh, an animal. Uh, somebody, you know, their dog had crossed over and they wanted to have a gathering to commemorate the the life of this beloved family companion animal. And so they had the most beautiful event with food and music and pictures of the animal and it was just gorgeous. 
Well, you know, we're so lucky to have this space. And, you know, as as we're talking, I, I know you mentioned, um, you know, men a few times, you know, that uh, sort of play a part uh, at the temple. Uh, but listeners, uh, I, I, you know, we I, I don't want to assume they, they know what I know. So let me ask you to explain, you know, that men actually have a role there as votaries. And they, um, you know, the, the, the temple is theirs as much as it is, uh, you know, in the museum is theirs as much as it is for women, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. We are primarily for the empowerment of the adult. The the goddess temple is for the empowerment of the adult woman. But that does not mean that men cannot be supporting, you you know, the empowerment of women. Men who are aware recognize that women must be empowered in order for the world to be a, a safe and sane place. And then, of course, the museum is all about partnership, men and women working together to uh, bring beauty and balance back to the world. So, yes, we have many wonderful men. Uh, the men who are trained uh, and who, who have committed to both being a member and to donating their time uh, are called votaries. And a votary is a person in devotion. And so these are our men in devotion. And, uh, for example, we have Stan Gibson, wonderful, great goddess man. And he is our uh, votary in charge of purchasing. And he goes every week and purchases all the things that we need to keep this temple running, from toilet paper to tea lights. And so, yes, there are, you know, and there's many other things that need doing. When we need an altar constructed uh, or an exhibit constructed, we call upon Don Kinda, who is a, has his uh, design, DK Designs. His, uh, he's an engineer and a designer and an artist, and he builds the most wonderful structures. He's helping us work on the Paleolithic exhibit, which is unfolding now. And so, and he had his his um, soldering iron, and and sparks were flying in the night as he was building this thing in the back alley out <laughs> behind the museum. And so, yes, we we welcome men. We are so grateful to men like your husband, Roy, who are so supportive, helpful, wonderful, and they, they are true, gentle men. That's, I, that, that's what I can – that's the greatest compliment. They are gentle men. And, and do you even honor them every year at the Green Man Ceremony? Oh, yes, that's one. I forgot about that. Yes, every year we have an annual party in summer, in the, uh, near the height of summer, and it's called our Green Man Party, and we honor and celebrate all of the men who are part of the temple, and we have the most wonderful time. Good, good. Well, um, so, Ava, I know we've covered a lot of ground, um, and I want to make sure you tell folks how people can support the temple, even if they aren't local. Uh, but before we close with that, maybe, was there anything else, um, you know, maybe you wanted people to know about the museum, um, you know, before we uh, wrapped it up tonight? I'm going to read the last uh, paragraph Uh, of our brochure the museum is funded by its members people like you people with a great vision for all life for humanity for animals for mother earth humanists with the wisdom to know that the current worldwide dominator model hurts everyone rich and poor women men children animals and the environment people like you people of far-reaching compassion and profound understanding people who are coming together to serve as way-showers 
to the world to create a new way of life for all. So promote your museum and support its purpose by attending events and by renting the beautiful space. And and just know that because of you, the Museum of Woman exists. Because of you, humanity has a new vision for our future, and we thank you. Mm, That's lovely. I, I, I haven't seen that before, but that is really lovely. I like that. Now, um, I remember that folks could uh, be a member of the temple, and um, uh, they could they could join, and uh, it I believe you they could join for only a dollar a month or something. Um, how does that all work out now with being a member of the temple or a member of the museum? Um, you know, if if folks who aren't local maybe want to help support, uh, you know, what you're doing there in Irvine. Well, thank you for asking that. Yes, we do encourage people to support us. Uh, Even if you can never come actually visit the the temple, uh, you know, many of us support, you know, I I support Greenpeace and I I support other, you know, groups whose, whose location I never go to simply because I believe in what they're doing. And you can do that with the, the temple and museum. The museum does, uh, is working on getting its nonprofit status. Uh, you know, we just uh, have been unfolding in the last year or so, and so that has not come through yet. But the Goddess Temple is a nonprofit, and any donations made to the Goddess Temple also have you, that, that has you become a member of the museum, and it's tax deductible. So right now we're uh, encouraging people to simply join the temple, and uh, we have four different levels. Uh, circle of Earth is $25. Circle of the Sun is 40 Circle of the Moon is 75 a month. And Circle of the Stars is 200 a month. But if people are experiencing some financial hardship, it's not really about the money. It's about the commitment. It's about the energetic commitment to this space. And so you can be a member for a dollar a month for six months, and then we reassess. And uh, you get a beautiful color prayer in the mail and many other benefits if you become a member. Okay. And, you know, we know how powerful it is when we simply ask. Is there anything that the temple needs right now that uh, you would, if, if uh, it could magically appear, uh, what would you like gifted to the temple? What does it need? <laughs> a brand-new vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> Our vacuum cleaner died. Our vacuum cleaner died today, and you know because we are a busy temple and we vacuum all the time, we do go through vacuums and we take really good care of our vacuums. But you know, at some point they do bite the dust. And if someone could donate a brand new vacuum or even a very very excellent uh, a used one that's working well, we would be very grateful. <laughs> Well, you know, you do have so many people supporting the temple. I know someone recently uh, donated a refrigerator. You've had people donate um, audiovisual equipment, uh, wonderful pieces of art. Um, you know, the the temple is is a beloved um, a, a beloved thing. You know, in the community, and um, you know, I say it from the bottom of my heart. I know how lucky we are uh, to have that brick and mortar temple. I mean, one of the few. Uh, goddess temples on the face of the earth uh, and you know and now it's expanded into the museum of women uh, you know making it all the more important all the more influential and uh, I just say thanks uh, thanks to you Ava you are an incredible mistress of manifestation <laughs> 
Well, thank you, Karen. It has been a joy to know you. I always credit you with uh, years ago, I don't know, 15 years ago now, you were some of the first rituals I went to as I was just learning about goddess. And you, you were one of my first teachers in your books. So you have had a profound, profound in, impact and influence on me. And it is so great to be your colleague, to be your friend, to be your admirer after all these years, uh, to, for us to be, you know, traveling the same path together. Uh, it's just been a wonderful blessing and a, a, a great friendship. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know, we, we, we teach each other. We learn from each other. Uh, I mean, it's just the way it is. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've likewise, you know, learned so much from you. And, you know, every time I come to the temple, I see the ideals we talk about. I see the new normal we are trying to create. You know, I see it in action, you know, uh, you know the partnership ideals, the, um, you know, the, the whole, um, you know, the whole, you know, nurturing, caring, sharing, the queen values. Uh, it's just wonderful to be there. Because I think it gives us all hope that um, it can be done. You know, I mean, you've been there what over a decade now. We're going on our twelfth year. Can you believe it? Our twelfth year. Twelfth year. Wow. Yeah. Phew. Time has flown. <laughs> Time has flown. And you're and you're in your bigger space now. I mean, you started out in a smaller space. Now, now I'm going to call it. You're in your medium space because there's going to oh, come a day you. when you are going to need a much bigger space. <laughs> That's right. I look forward to uh, us being like the Getty. <laughs> There you go. There you go. You you just never know. You just never know. Well, um, well, Ava, I want to thank you for uh, not just being on the show tonight, but for everything you've manifested in the community and the, the work you continue to do in service to the community because, you know, those of us in Goddess Spirituality, we understand that, you know, being a priestess is about being in service. It's not about our ego. It's not about being a diva. And you exemplify that, um, you know, tremendously. And uh, thank you for the service you know you have given the community and women and the men in uh, you know in Southern California uh, goddess community for for so many years and you know I'll I'll just turn it over to you and and let you close it uh, with whatever final words you'd like to say maybe give the website or anything else like that. Okay, well it's uh, goddesstempleoc.org. Uh, lots of beautiful pictures of the museum and uh, and the temple. And I'll share with you as I close, I'll share with you because you'll love this because uh, you, are, you are a woman of Sekhmet. When we, when we close the temple, when, you know, the event is over and the priestesses and the, and the votaries are working to clean up and close the temple, we, all, we have a rule. That, and this is a very much of a partnership thing. We don't we don't just leave one by one and just let one person you know lock up. We whoever's at the end, however many people there are, we all agree that we are going to leave together, and we're all going to wait until until we can all leave together. And so we all finish up together. We walk outside. We lock the door. We raise our we stand on the sidewalk in front of the front door. We all raise our hands and we say. 
from the back to the front, from the side to the side, mighty Sekhmet protects this space. Only good may enter here. Only good may come from here. Until we are here again, all is well, all is well, all is well. And then we bow, and we hug each other goodbye, and then we depart. And that's how we seal the temple. I thought you would really enjoy that. Yes, I've 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 never I've never seen you seen you ladies and, and guys uh, do that. So, Sasakim Sahu, I love that. That is just so cool. And and you know what? You got to take a minute to um, you know to toot your own horn a little bit. Uh, anything coming up with your Queen teachings? Uh, what's happening with that? Any uh, classes on the horizon or um, anything you might want to say about that? Because that's your baby. Well, yes, and I have really, really enjoyed the Queen teachings unfolding over the last few years. It's a major part of our uh, cosmology, our theology. I always say when the uh, goddess got thrown out of religion, the queen got thrown out of woman, and that's who we need to to bring back. Uh, the, The queen archetype has the powers that we need right now to lead the world. She has boundaries. She has vision. She's the architect of life. And so um, it's very important for women to have a strong queen. And the queen has been demonized and denied by society because the queen cannot exist in – patriarchy cannot exist in the presence of the queen. And so as women like you, you know, uh, lead us uh, with, with your queen selves, then patriarchy will simply melt away naturally and will come back into balance. So that's, that's what I teach. Uh, I have a 12-part a, a class on teaching a woman how to bring forth her queen. Most women uh, really are not that familiar with the queen, and uh, there's a lot of um, misinformation about what a queen is. You know, if you stand in a mall and ask 100 women who walk by what's a queen, a lot of it will be negative. She's the bitch. She's the diva. She's she who must be obeyed. She's the ice queen. You know, so we don't have a very good uh, impression of the queen. And that's been deliberate, you know, just like woman has been demonized in patriarchy. The queen has also been demonized. And so we need to restore her power in woman. And um, that will bring forth a lot of balance and beauty for the world. So I do have something coming up in the fall, and um, I will be releasing that information. It will be a convocation in the fall. So uh, everybody who's interested in that can, uh, can go to our website and uh, check out that information. Okay, and uh, and when you have that all together, let me know, and uh, I can talk about it a bit here on the show. And because it is so important, I think you know some women who come to Goddess Spirituality, uh, they maybe learn about the uh, you know the maiden, the mother, and the crone, uh, but everyone hasn't caught on to the the missing piece, uh, the the queen archetype. And you know we find in our society, uh, patriarchy is only too happy to have the nubile sex 
kitten, Maiden. And, of course, they love the giving mother. You know, uh, I, I was recently called, uh, oh, I, I, I love your I love your Isis aspect, but your Sekhmet aspect, uh, you know, is a little bit too much. So, you know, it's, it's this thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, patriarchy loves when you're taking care of it and giving and giving. And, uh, but, you know, the moment you say, you know, you put up your boundaries and say, look, I've had enough, or uh, the world needs to change, and, and you know, you assert yourself, you know, then, uh, you know, then, then suddenly, um, you know, it, it makes that some people not, uncomfortable. That is, that, is, that is not so welcome, is it? <laughs> No, no, it isn't. It isn't. And then, of course, you know, in our community, we do honor our crones, our older wise women, because in patriarchy, they're invisible. You know, they become useless, you know. Um, so these things are very important. They're, they're you know, part of yeah. the change in, in our consciousness, um, you know, that we need to help us change the world. You know, we have to rethink everything. Yes. Um, the wise woman so Ava, is, is I, the wise woman's very is, the wise woman is very important to us in all of our events we have the elder women the women over 65 go into the uh the main room first they they get the best of everything they get the first food they get the first seating you know so yes thank you for saying that the wise women are very important honor your elders yep yep well, Ava, thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. And, um, and again, just kudos for this, you know, wonderful new adventure uh, you are providing for us in Southern California. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. It's a, always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for what you're doing, Karen. Oh. Great radio show. Okay. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing about the Museum of Woman in Irvine. Uh, I was just speaking to Reverend Ava, museum curator, minister, feminist teacher, a leader of goddess community, um, and uh, she uh, is publicly unveiling the Museum of Women. Uh, you know, it's uh, opening its doors here in uh, Irvine, California, which is in Southern California, Orange County. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, Ava, um, you know, has been sharing with listeners the purpose of the museum, um, you know, who its audience is, uh, what happens there, and uh, about the feminist aspect of the museum. And Ava believes men cannot lead well alone. She says the state of the world currently proves this, and according to Ava, the world will be a better place when women and men work together to transform the current values of the dominator model of our world into something a whole lot better, like maybe a partnership society. So uh, no doubt uh, you will want to visit next time you find yourself behind the orange curtain uh, in Irvine, California. And uh, you can go to their website, uh, which uh, Ava mentioned, uh, Goddess Temple of Orange. OrangeCounty.com, uh, and I know they're working on a um, uh, a web page for the Museum of Woman as well. Okay. Um, well, uh, I mentioned uh, when I first uh, opened the show that uh, I had some news from the Rio Olympics from our uh, roving reporter, Pat. Uh, so let me share a couple of these stories with you. Uh, I don't know about you, but I haven't been able to follow the Olympics too much. I'll just get a snippet every now and again. So I was pleased when she uh, sent these along. 
the first one, uh, it's uh, the, the little um, story here uh, that we're sharing is uh, Olympic swimmers' candid period comment is wonderfully related. Uh, and we're talking uh, menstrual period here. Uh, so... Uh, here it goes. This was uh, the woman editor of the Huffington Post, uh, Alana uh, Vagianos, um, uh, posted this. Uh, and the story goes, uh, after competing in the 100-meter um, relay, the Chinese swimmer, Fu Wanhui and her team were interviewed uh, by a CCTV reporter. And as the reporter went to interview Fu, uh, the woman, the camera panned down to show the 20-year-old squatting on the ground. According to Shanghaiist, when the interviewer saw Fu in pain, she asked the swimmer, your stomach is hurting a lot right now? And uh, the swimmer responded, my period came last night, and I'm really tired right now. But this isn't an excuse. I still, have, I still swim as well as I should have. The article continues, although these Olympic athletes are basically superhumans, they don't get, a plan, get to plan their menstrual cycles around their competition dates, but they power through because, well, they're superhumans. Thanks for being honest, one we, uh, and... Uh, uh, that you can see the whole interview if you go to Huffington uh, Huffington Post. And uh, then the next story from the Olympics is Olympic swimmers uh, can't, uh, oh, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, uh, it wasn't to make a swoon. The shiny Tongan Olympian finally explains all that oil. And this is by Carla Herreria, senior writer, uh, Huffington Post, Hawaii. Uh, maybe you saw uh, that uh, fella from Tonga with uh, with the oily body. That one I did happen to see. And here's the story behind that, in case uh, you didn't know and were wondering. Uh, Tonga's Rio Olympics flag bearer by the name of Pita Nicholas uh, Tua Fatofua stole the show at the opening ceremony where he appeared covering in generous amounts of oil. And that's putting it mildly. He was shining. Uh, the Olympian explained his choice of outfit and all that oil last week, which had everything to do with his uh, oceanic culture and nothing to do with making uh, fans giddy for his abs. And he says, uh, when I was chosen as the flag bearer, I wanted to wear something very special to me. His uh, not to, G, uh, N-G-A, TU, the decorated top of cloth he wore, um, is from uh, Haapi Islands, and the kafa, his belt, um, made uh, came from his late aunt. So Tua Fatu Fua quoted Tavita O'Kaili, an associate professor of cultural and indigenous anthropology at Brigham Young University in Hawaii, as he explains the importance uh, then of the coconut oil. So basically he had on a, um, a tap of cloth on his 
you know, lower part of his torso he, with a, with his kapha belt made by his aunt. And then the only other thing he had on was his oil. <laughs> um, he says uh, coconut oil is an integral part of indigenous uh, Oshi, oceanic body adornment. Typically, performers apply copious amounts of coconut oil on their body as a celebration of symmetry of the human body as well as a mark of ancestral identity. The coconut oil also has a romantic and mythical origin. The beautiful ocean, uh, ocean goddess Hina, the sister of the demigod, uh, demigod Maui, is at the heart of the origin of the coconut. Uh, in Oce- Ocean- o- Oceanic mythology, the coconut plant was a gift from Hina's lover, uh, Tuna, an eel, to Hina. Um, in, in their uh, cosmology, uh, the coconut is the tree of life. We use every part of the plant for food, clothing, lashings, medicines, and adornment. So um, there was a lot more to that story about the oil, wasn't there? Uh, he also um, wore an interesting necklace that uh, would, uh, it would have been interesting to know uh, what all of those special bones and stones were, too. But... Uh, that he didn't talk about so much, unfortunately. But I'm sure you can easily find uh, pictures of him uh, on the Internet because uh, he did uh, create just a little bit of a sensation. Well, uh, dear listeners, I want to thank you for uh, tuning in with me this week, um, as you do every week. Uh, you are the gas in my tank. Uh, you keep me going. Uh, again, I want to tell you I will be giving a talk at the Goddess Temple on the 28th. It is the third in a four-part series on partnership. We'll be talking about uh, how you can recognize the difference uh, on the spectrum between domination and partnership because uh, they're on the – you know, the the polar sides of the spectrum, and there's a lot in between. And so much of what goes on in the world today is domination, is exploitation, but we have just uh, accepted it as normal. And uh, we do need to recognize it, shed light on it, um, so that we can see what's wrong with it and uh, demand better. You know, uh, we do have to uh, demand a better quality of life uh, and do what we must to achieve it for ourselves and for everyone else. Also, uh, just to give you a little heads up, uh, I'm going to be doing a special uh, program uh, in October. Besides my regular Wednesday night show, uh, because it is the month of October, it's typically the time of the year when we honor our beloved dead and our ancestors and our foremothers and way showers that have, um, you know, passed from this life. Uh, what I would like to do is uh, actually go back into the archives and pull out some of those interviews of uh, some of the people who have been so influential uh, in our community, our leaders, our way showers, uh, our foremothers. Uh, and so I think I'm going to be calling the, um, the, the special broadcasts in October. Uh, they may be gone from this plane, but their voices live on. So uh, you will be able to hear uh, people like Lady Olivia uh, Robertson of the Fellowship of Isis. Uh, you will be able to hear from Lydia Rule. Uh, you will be able to hear um, uh, from you know many of the other uh, f- uh, leaders in our community who we owe such a debt of gratitude to. 
Um, but, uh, you know, and their voices are still here with us. Uh, they have not left. So, um, you know, mark your calendars. And, and, you know, more importantly, if you haven't already, hit the follow button uh, on my show page. Uh, because if you hit the follow button, uh, you will automatically get a reminder in your uh, inbox. I think you also even get a link to the interview. And that way, uh, you won't miss anything. You know, you might not have time to listen to all of it, but uh, you can pick and choose and, um, you know, you can listen when you have the time. Uh, and it, But it's there. It, uh, you know, will save you from having to go, um, you know, dig through the archives and uh, and you know and, and find these. Um, so I'm going to do as many of those as I can uh, during the month of October because uh, we have uh, probably had about 10 or 12 uh, folks uh, who have passed on from us, and uh, I was lucky enough uh, to interview them before they passed. And as I said, you know they they may be gone, they may not share this plane with us anymore, but their voices live on. On, um, we can feel as if they are still with us. So um, I hope you will I hit the follow button and listen to those shows. So um, I will close tonight with uh, what has become the mottos for the show. Uh, the first is uh, by Gandhi. Uh, he said that uh, first they ignore us. No, first they ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they fight you. Then you win. Uh, I think we're seeing that play out today. And the 19th century uh, German uh, philosopher, author Schopenhauer, said, all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. And third, it is accepted for being self-evident. Yeah, so true, so true. So, um, Thank you, friends. Uh, Thank you, fans. Thank you, colleagues. Um, I love that uh, so many of you have been uh, keeping in touch and uh, sharing your thoughts about some of the shows, some of the the guests. Uh, I really do enjoy that. you know, uh, when you take the time to communicate, uh, it means a lot. It sort of gives me a um, uh, a barometer test of what I'm doing right, and uh, some. And, and you have such great ideas. Uh, it's wonderful uh, when you share those ideas. So, thank you, uh, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And um, uh, next week um, we have Tom Evans with us, and the following. Uh, following Wednesday, the last Wednesday of the month, uh, we have uh, Pat Allen. And I I think you will definitely look forward to to those uh, interviews as as well. Uh, Tom Evans, um, uh, his topic is uh, whole mind thinking, uh, uh, the uh, practical application uh, of of mindfulness. And... um, and Pat Evans, uh, I'm looking for the name of her show right now. I think uh, uh, just one second, and I'll have it here. Uh, I think. Do I have it with me? Yes, no, maybe so. 
Oh, I can't put my fingers on it uh, in the moment. But uh, anyway, uh, Practical Applications of Mindfulness is next week with Tom Evans. So um, I think that's something we all can use. It it helps us uh, stay grounded, uh, helps us uh, connect uh, to our, uh, you know, our inner uh, our inner wisdom uh, helps us receive the messages we need to hear uh, to make the right decisions uh, moving forward. So um, that about does it uh, for tonight. And uh, I will go ahead and uh, I think because it is so beautiful, I'm going to go ahead and let the whole song uh, by Diva Haley play that uh, opened the show. Uh, called Narayani, uh, very uh, similar to uh, what you will recognize as um, the famous goddess song, Ancient Mother. So good night, dear listeners. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy what's left of the summer, and I will be back with you next Wednesday. Good night. Ancient
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.